1025 It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Super Scoreboard. The season may be over, but we are still here over the summer, 6 until 7, and you can give us a call, 0141 951 1025. Tonight, we're live from Hamden as Scotland's women play their final match before heading off to the World Cup. And with me on the gantry tonight is Roger Hanna. Yes, and now that Gordon Dale's failed the final audition for Love Island, I'm not <laughs> going to watch a moment of it. My summer viewing is going to be the Women's World mm. Cup, and I'm delighted to be here today. We're looking forward to it. We're expecting a record crowd for a Scotland Women's International against Jamaica, who themselves qualified for the finals in France. They play Brazil a week in Sunday, the big game a week in Sunday, Scotland-England. Yeah, it's a, it's a great send-off, and that's what they're hoping here, give them the, the women's team the experience of this, this big stadium atmosphere. Yeah, and it, listen, the, the results have been steadily improving under Shelley Kerr, not just the historic qualification for the World Cup. The last home international here, they beat Brazil 1-0 Brazil. Mm-hmm. A top 10 ranked team in the world, Scotland at the time only ranked 20. It was a huge morale boost, a huge confidence boost for Shelley and her team. And they'll be wanting a victory here tonight, really, just to send them off for three tough games. England, Japan, Argentina, send them off in fair fettle. And you're saying, expecting a record crowd, the SFA hoping to attract some some new people along that maybe haven't been along to a women's game before. Yeah, and I think they've given away a lot of tickets. They've sold a lot of tickets for tonight, but they yeah. have given away a lot. They're trying to get a new generation of supporter for the Scottish national women's team. Um, it's the most successful Scottish national women's team there's ever been, Alison. And if they can get a few more bums and seats tonight, I'm sure they'll be entertained. If you're heading along to Hamden tonight, you remember you can give us a call 01419511025. We will hear from Shelley Kerr later on in the show. But also, Steve Clark announced his first Scotland squad today ahead of those Euro qualifiers next month. Roger... A few surprises or not so much? I don't think there's too many surprises. Um, a couple of injured players I thought might have been in, Ollie McBurney being one. There was mm-hmm. chat of Liam Cooper of Leeds maybe coming back in. He's injured as well. Um, Steve's got a couple of problems. First of all, w- was timing. Um, he didn't want to take the job until after the season had finished with mm-hmm. Kilmarnock. And that gave him very little time to try and work his way around the players he would ideally have liked in the squad. A lot are injured. Um, a lot are managing injuries, as they now say these days, Stephen Fletcher being one. And, and I think Fletcher is the most glaring, the most difficult omission in the entire squad. You saw what he brought to the team in those Nations League games late last year against Albania and Israel. You saw how badly he was missed in the games that effectively cost Alec McLeish's job against Kazakhstan and San Marino. Um, you look at the squad, you can just about pick a good Scotland team out of that squad but it would be a far better Scotland team if Stephen Fletcher was at the top end of it. And as well for Steve Clark, he maybe wants to try other players out, but it's a case of with so little time, you can't change things too much. No, and I think that's why he's probably added a few of the Kilmarnock lads that he knows well, he knows what they can do, he knows he can trust them. Uh, Stephen O'Donnell's got six or seven or eight caps for Scotland now. Stuart Finlay was in the last squad. Uh, I think he wanted Greg Taylor in. There's no Kieran Tierney, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Robertson's been carrying an injury ahead of the Champions League final with Liverpool at the weekend. No guarantees he'd be able to play the two games. Graham Shinney, as we all know, struggled going back to left back. He's position in Kazakhstan so don't be surprised to see Greg Taylor getting the first cab and we've spoken there about the, the troubles up front no Fletcher 
no McBurney, no Lee Griffiths still for Scotland, so Steve Flint knows what he gets from Eamon Brophy. Um, he's not the youngest of strikers, you know, he's, yeah. I think he's 21 years of age now, so he would have no qualms at all about throwing Eamon Brophy in here at Hamden a week on Saturday night. Well, after picking four Kilmarnock players in his first Scotland squad, Steve Clark says they've all been selected on merit. He also says he's chosen a larger 27-mad squad to give him the chance to assess more players ahead of his opening two games. Yeah, it gives me a chance to have a look at one or two extra players, if you like. Obviously, I think before we go to Belgium, I can trim the squad down a little bit so that nobody's travelling unnecessarily. There's enough there, and obviously... I'm still waiting on Johnny Russell coming through a game in America. Uh, Andy Robertson's got to come through the Champions League final as well. So it was better just to have a little bit bigger group and, like you say, a chance for me to have a look at, at many more players. I mean, people will look at it and probably think, I oh, he's just picking players from Kilmarnock for the sake of it. It's not true. All the boys that are in the squad deserve to be in. Stephen O'Donnell's an established player at right back, seven caps. Uh, Stuart Finney was in the last squad that, that Alex picked. Uh, Stuart's had a great season. We've obviously got one or two injury problems in the left-back position. Like I said before, Andy Robertson's still got to get through the Champions League final. Kieran Tierney's out. Uh, Barry Douglas, I spoke to, he's also injured. So it was just a case of promoting Greg up from very good performances he's had for Scotland under-21s. Uh, had a terrific season last year, probably the most consistent left-back in the SPL. So deserves his chance. Up front, I've also got a lot of injury problems. A lot of people not available, so... Eamon Brophy was, was, was an obvious choice for me. He's obviously doing the right thing with that larger squad initially because he wants to see what he's got. These are two big games for Scotland. Yeah, two very big games, particularly after the, the disastrous start to the Euro 2020 qualifiers. We have that safety net of a Nations League playoff at the end of the, the qualifying campaign, so we'll have a second chance to reach the finals if, as expected now, sadly, Alison, we, we don't qualify mm. through this route. But they are two big games, and particularly here, I think the Cyprus game is bigger than Belgium. You know what's going to happen in Belgium. They're World Cup semi-finalists and one of the best teams on the planet. Yeah, anything at all you get from Belgium is a bonus. But the home game here is crucial. And it's crucial for Steve Clark to get off to a winning start and try and raise morale. And maybe if we can start picking up some decent results, decent performances, these guys who so far haven't, mm-hmm. they've shown a reluctance to play for Scotland again, maybe they can be lured back. With Alex McLeish facing a number of call-offs in his second spell in charge of Scotland, Steve Clark says he's made moves to make sure that doesn't continue. He's held talks with various players that haven't made the squad for a number of different reasons and he says they've been mainly positive. Yeah, I've had lots of really positive conversations but obviously at this stage of the season or at the time that I came to the job is a very short space of time to, to try and get people to change their plans. You know, there's I think there's three three of the boys that I spoke to have got their weddings this year. You know, those those things take a lot of planning, a lot of organising. So if if you're not involved in the squad and then suddenly you're getting a phone call to say, Would you like to join us? It's very difficult to to change perceptions or to, to change people's mind at this stage of the season. But I would say out of all the conversations I've had, and I've had many, I would say 90% of the conversations are positive, so I take, I take a lot of uh, good heart for that. The, the important thing for me is when I spoke to all the players, I told them that the, the conversations would remain private between me and them, which is, I was a little bit disappointed that the, the conversation that I had with Liam Cooper came out in the press, but these are one of the, some of the things that you have to put up with. Yeah, these conversations don't always stay private, do they, Roger? No, they never stay private. As a newspaper man, I'm quite glad a lot of them don't stay <laughs> private. Um, the two guys you look at who have come back in, Tom Kearney and David Marshall. Mm. Um, Kearney had a difficult season, wasn't always in the Fulham team, but finished the season very strongly. Became a central player again down there under Scott Parker. Uh, there was chat of him going away and playing for England. I think the 
Then he's probably dropped that he's not going to play for England, Alison. So if he wants to play international football, it's going to have to be for Scotland. He's coming into a squad that probably the strongest area is central midfield. You see how well John McGinn played, scoring that winner at Wembley for yeah. Villa. Callum McGregor's had an exceptional season. You look at likes of Stuart Armstrong, Scott McTominay, Kenny McLean scored in the last win in San Marino. So Tom Kearney is coming in the trip, but I'm sure there are no guarantees from Steve Clark that he's going to be involved again yet. Likewise with David Marshall, a good season at Hull. He's actually left Hull City and there's been talk of Liverpool being interested in him as a mm. potential backup to Allison next season. So clearly he's had a good season with Hull and it'll give some experienced competition for Scott Bain. And difficult for him as well because it comes into the summer and this is when footballers get married. Well, it would seem so. John <laughs> Fleck, I believe, is, is one of three players mm-hmm. who are getting married this summer. I think... You know, the, the, I'm not going to say excuse. The reason being, all the arrangements were made before the Euro 2020 yep. fixtures were drawn out, and we knew Scotland were going to have games. So these things happen. I, I can vaguely remember being married myself <laughs> uh, many, many years ago during a World Cup. It was as well. So mine was but, during the Euros. I didn't plan mine well, well either. Maybe, maybe that's why we didn't get picked. <laughs> Well, Steve Clark also confirmed today that Kilmarnock assistant Alex Dyer and former Republic of Ireland international Stephen Reid will join him in the national team setup. Dyer will continue working at Kilmarnock while helping out the Scotland. And while Clark says Stephen Reid has plenty of good qualities, that will help the squad. Background stuff is shaping up pretty well. Alex Dyer will be with me. He'll stay at Kilmarnock to do his job, but he'll be with us in the, the camps. And Alex is committed to the end of the Euro 2020s, so he's with me. Yeah, I'm going to bring Stephen Reid. Stephen is a, is a coach, he's a player that I know, he's a coach that I know and I think it's important for me that I go into the first camp comfortable with the staff that are with me, staff that understand how I work. Stephen's a little bit younger, so you have a better handle on the mentality of the younger players in the dressing room. He's also an experienced international player who's been involved in World Cup campaigns and actually played in the World Cup for the, the Republic, so I think he's a good addition. He was helping out at West Brom towards the end of last season, but when they didn't make the, the step up to the playoff final, uh, Stephen's now looking for a job and thankfully I've been able to give him one. Stevie Woods will come back for a little bit of continuity with the goalkeeping department uh, it's, I think it's important but unfortunately Stevie will miss the first couple of days camp because he'd made other plans after he thought he wasn't going to be involved which is good and it means I can bring Billy Thompson who I know very well and Billy can help us through the first week. So that's Steve Clark is putting his own stamp on the Scotland squad in some sense, but keeping some familiar faces yeah, as well. I think all of it makes sense. He's worked very closely with Alec Dyer at Kilmarnock, so it makes sense for Alec to come in because, mm-hmm. you know, you've seen how successful it's been together at Kilmarnock. Likewise, if Stevie Woods isn't there initially, Billy Thompson, who was a key part down at Kelly, I think the SFA were keen for Stevie Woods to continue partly because of the work he does at Celtic with Scott Bain. If Scott Bain's going to be Scotland's yep. number one, and you remember Alan McGregor's now retired from international football, if Scott Bain's going to be the number one, it makes sense to have the guy that he works with on a Monday to Friday at Lennoxtown coming with him in the international breaks. And you, you listen to Steve Clark, they're talking about the appointment of Stephen Reid. Stephen Reid was up in Glasgow about 10 days ago with Steve Clark. He saw him presented with the Football Writers Association Manager of the Year Award. He's a guy with experience in the English Premier League, the English Championship coaching as well. And, and he is that little bit younger than Steve Clark and Alec Dyer. He can relate to the players a little bit more. And I think at international level, that's quite important. You saw Alec McLeish employed James McFadden yeah, yeah. to fulfil that role. And I think you look at that backroom staff and you know you can see the common sense employed by Steve Clark in putting it together. Yeah, Steve Clark is the manager, but as you're saying, the backroom team is as vital 
as him because yeah. these players need to take to them as well. Of course they do, and you know it's easy. The international players sometimes look for excuses not to turn up, and you know I think the more enjoyable you make it, the more you can incentivize these players to come away because sometimes you're away from your family for ten or eleven days, and if you're the twenty seventh man in a twenty seven man mm-hmm. squad, and you know you're maybe only going to get two minutes of football or no football at all, you, you sometimes wonder is it really going to be worth my while? So the more Steve Clark can incentivise us for players, make it more attractive for them to come along on these trips where they'll enjoy it, then then it can only be better for Scotland. Remember, you can give us a call tonight, 01419511025, and John in Coatbridge has gone done just that. Good evening, John. Evening, Alison, Bob and, and Roger. Uh, just like to wish Scotland women better luck tonight. Hello, John. Oh, he's there. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello, we've got you now, yes. Right. Uh, so I'd like to wish Scotland ladies good luck tonight. But of my course. point is, uh, would you call it, uh, Gordon and Roger, you know I've been on here, right, and I didn't really want Neil to get the job right, but obviously as a Celtic fan, I'll be 150% behind him, and I urge all Celtic fans to be. But my point to you, Roger, really is, I don't think, by the way, the MDLs was offered that job. I think Peter Law is trying to pull the ball over people's eyes. I just want your opinion on that, Roger. Oh no, I don't think he was trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. He didn't say it was offered to anyone else. Quite the contrary, I think um, if you were to speak to anyone in the Celtic board, they would tell you that they were going to wait until after the cup final to decide how the job was going to go. I, I saw pictures, of, it was very unusual pictures. Alison and I are currently in the main stand here at Hamden, and there was footage of Peter Lawwell, Dermot Desmond, Ian Bankier, the chairman, and Tom Allison, the director, almost in cabinet, if you like, John, on Saturday after the final whistle. And it looks as if the decision was just taken there and then. Right, we'll go downstairs, and we're going to offer this job to Neil. Um, Three days on, as far as I know, Neil hasn't accepted it yet, which I think is quite unusual. I'll be interested to hear your take on that, John. But I, I think... It's a sensible decision from Celtic. It's a big time in Celtic's history. Forget the treble treble. If you're looking forward, Celtic's targets now are nine and potentially ten in a row. I think the board are looking to minimise the risk in a managerial appointment. And if you want to minimise risk, then you stick with a guy who has seen the club over the line for a Scottish Cup and a league title and who has won league titles in all but one of his full seasons at the club. Can I come back in there, Roger? Of course. Uh, Gordon, many players do you think there's going to be a turnover in at Celtic Park in the summer? Well, Roger, you'll need to answer that as well because Gordon is currently sunning himself in Spain. He's, le- he's well, left him on. He's, he's on, on. Oh, he's on summer training. He's away. Oh, sorry, guys. That's usually <laughs> sorry. Hey, hey, no, I think, Roger, they'll need... I mean, there's a good call there earlier on there. You're talking about uh, David Marshall would be a great backup. You know what I mean? But I don't think he would want to come in as a backup. But I think there'll be at least we need another central midfielder. He's cover for Scott Brown, obviously. I think they'll maybe next year they'll be used sparingly. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe Brownie won't want that. But and I think obviously I don't know what's going to happen with Lee. But I think we need another backup forward, a midfielder, and obviously two a central defender. And a right back, obviously, is realistic. But I think there'll be a, a big. I think there'll be a mass exodus out of the door of the players. Well, if you just look at the ones who have gone out, um, you're talking about backup goalkeeper. I think Doris De Vries will be leaving. There could be three right backs leaving. If you look at Lustig and Tolian and Gamboa, there'll be a left back leaving in Izagiri. There'll be two centre backs leaving in Boyata and Benkovic. There's two front men leaving in Burke 
and Timothy Weir, who's already away. So even if you just replace like for like the guys who are going out the door, John, you're up at nine or ten players already. I actually, I think Roger, you know what I mean? Right, thanks for taking my call, guys. You're all the best. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. I want to go to Cumbernauld now, and Ronnie has given us a call about Neil Lennon's appointment. Hello, Ronnie. How you doing, Ronnie? Good, thank Hi, you. Ronnie. How are you doing, Ronnie? Just to tell you, obviously, I've been on the phone the last few weeks regarding Neil Lennon for the job, mm-hmm. and I'm just um, I'm ecstatic. I'm over the moon. I'm really pleased that he's got it. And obviously, I said, um, all these people are against the idea, which I, I mean, a lot of Celtic fans are. And by the way, a lot of Rangers fans are like, oh, that's great, a great appointment. You know, I wonder if we'll be seeing that next year when we get the nine in a row, you know what I mean? <laughs> I wonder, Ronnie, do you think a lot of the uncertainty was because Neil was initially appointed as an interim manager and there was this sort of void, if you like, that people filled with speculation about people at Benitez and Ramirez, uh, sorry, Martinez, Mourinho, Vias Boas, who I see is getting a Marseille job today. Mm-hmm. If Neil had been appointed on day one, I think the supporters would have would have been more behind it. No, <clears throat> but I think so. And again, at the end at the end of the day, I mean, I think Peter Lawlow. I mean, okay, he done it. You know, he done it at the right time. But again, I think I preferred if he had done it earlier instead of waiting to after the Scottish Cup final to see where we went after that. Like I thought, fair enough. But I mean, at the end of the day, he done the job. He's, he's got as a treble treble. Now, a lot of people are saying, like, Brendan Rodgers, you know, done this and done that. But at the end of the day, to me, it's who finished the job. And at the end of the day, Neil Lennon got us over the line. Yeah, it's difficult to argue with. He did, and, and he, it wasn't just a couple of games. I mean, he's been in there since February in the last three That's months that. of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had to deal with a lot of issues in terms of personnel. There's been injuries there. There's been suspensions there. He's, he's lost players for, for various reasons, and he's managed to... He put together a fantastic run where I think they only conceded goals in one of eight games at one stage and, mm-hmm. and yeah, stre- right, you know, yeah. stretched away, won the league, won the treble, an historic treble. And there was huge pressure on the team, especially you know in the last 40 minutes after Ryan Edwards scored the goal here for Hearts at the weekend. There was enormous pressure and other teams would have folded and somehow they managed to dig one out for him again and I think that is what has clinched him this job. Thank you to Ronnie in Cumbernauld. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard and we'll hear from Scott Brown after the travel with Amber. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Every night from 6 till 8. Roger Hanna here with me. Alison Conroy at Hamden as Scotland's women prepare to play their final match ahead of the World Cup in front of what they hope will be a record crowd. Roger, still quiet here, but the, the players have been out taking a look around. We've just seen Shelley Kerr out getting some photographs taken as well. Yeah, and it's a big night for them. You know, the excitement must be building within the squad. You saw last week when Shelley named the 23 mm-hmm. women who are going to go and represent Scotland that the excitement was beginning to build. And fair play to the SFA, you know, they could have held this game at a club ground, as, as quite often the, the women's team do, mm-hmm. but they wanted to bring it to the national stadium, they wanted to try and make history the biggest ever attendance for a Scotland women's game and you, you can tell around the place that there is this excitement I think they travel over to France next week, yep. first game only I think 12 days from now a huge game against the 9th of June isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Phil Neville's England team um, the last time they met competitively, England won 6-0 I think Scotland have come on so much in the intervening period. I don't think we'll see a score line like that this time. Remember, you can give us a call tonight, 0141 951 1025. And John and Paisley's done just that. Good evening, John. 
evening, Alice. Good evening, Roger. Hey, I just want to wish the lasses all the best. It's still the World Cup we'll see for a long time. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, see anywhere with Stevie Clark anyway. <laughs> Positivity you know right I mean? there, John. I, I, well, I've just stayed to the point with Stevie Clark. He made it, he's just done it right away. I'm quite glad he never picked Ryan Jack, but try to tell me Ryan Jacks hasn't been outstanding this year. And he, he's picking up every. I don't know who he's picking off the players. You know what I mean? Tell me I why. Thought, you I thought he might have been in the squad. We mentioned Tom Kearney, Fulham coming back in there. And as a congested area, it's probably Scotland's strongest area, apart from left back, when you look at that central midfield role. Um, Ryan Jack would certainly have claims to be in there. Is he, a, is he a better season than Graham Shinney? As far as I knew, Graham Shinney was carrying an injury at the end of the season, so I'm quite surprised that Graham Shinney is in this time ahead of Ryan Jack for that reason. But if I was Stephen Gerrard, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be that concerned. Um, there was a kerfuffle the other day that Alfredo Morelos hadn't made Colombia's squad for the Copa America. Again, if it was Stephen Gerrard, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. It's been the end of a long, hard season. The likes of Jack and Morelos have played almost every game for Rangers and they need a break. They're back very, very soon. I think Rangers gather again, John, on the 17th of June. Only three weeks away for pre-season training before they head out to Portugal, before the Europa League qualifiers. So they'll get plenty of football soon enough. I think Stephen Gerrard will be quite glad the boys are I'm getting quite a break I'm quite happy, Roger, with that. That's what I said. I'm quite happy with it. You know what I mean? Because as what you said, they're back on the 17th of June. Do you know what I mean? Not much time to you know I mean? get themselves back up. It's a 12-month calendar now. I listened to an interview, I think, Callum McGregor did in the television after the cup final at the weekend. He could be playing on the 11th of June for Scotland and then reporting for Celtic seven or eight days later. The, the players don't get a rest. Eventually, fatigue is going to kick in with some of these young lads. And if you're talking about the, you know, the Jacks and the Murray losses and people like that, I think they'll be quite glad of their break just now. John, how do you think Scotland are going to do? Under Steve Clark, I know there's a disappointment from you that Ryan Jack hasn't been picked, but do you think there'll be some success with him? I think we'll find out in the next two weeks that some of them will pull out already. You know what I mean? They'll be back to the same old, same old, but he's trying to do a club thing with the Hoffa Kamarnock squad, which you can't knock him for, but I don't think we're capable. I really don't. I think he'll play, try to play defensive the same as Andy Roxburgh and Craig Brown and try to hit these teams but these teams are far superior now we are not technically clever enough to beat these it's alright for Dane Kilmarnock and the Scottish Premier but no for European we'll see against Belgium we'll see what kind of team we're sitting in try to, try to put them in the break Roger it's hard to compare against Belgium that's probably one of the, the toughest yeah. tasks that Steve Clark could have well, straight away or this yeah well, the Belgian team, it'd be interesting to see if Roberto Martinez is there because he's very strongly linked with the Barcelona mm. job today. Martinez and Thierry Henry linked with taking over from Ernesto Valverde at the new camp. And what a job that would be for a former Motherwell midfielder. <laughs> but uh, as you say, Cyprus here will be the crucial game. If it's anything short of a victory against Cyprus, then morale could probably plummet even deeper than it was after those performances against Kazakhstan and San Marino and it's difficult for the SFA to sell tickets for these games to to get any enthusiasm at all behind the national team the only thing that's going to start enthusiasm again is wins and wins against the likes of Cyprus here to get people engaged again with the national team as you say Cyprus is the important one we're away to Belgium after that but it's hard to expect too much 
from that game? Yeah, the good listen, the good thing is we're one on Nations League group. We've got a chance in this playoff regardless. We could lose every game in this Euro 2020 qualifying group and still get to the finals if we can win that playoff next year. So the important thing for Steve Clark now is, is to build a bit of momentum, to get a couple of results, to put smiles on the faces of the players and the supporters, to try and connect again between the fans and the national team because, because that connection has definitely been broken with those performances against Kazakhstan and San Marino. John was one of the, the rare calls that isn't fully behind Steve Clark. When you think when he's appointed, we're just watching the, the pictures on the television, he really was met with positivity from from everyone. Yeah, he's a popular appointment. I think he swept the boards at the end of the season in terms of Manager of the Year awards. The job he's done at Kilmarnock over 18 or 19 months is absolutely fantastic. To take them from, I think they were second bottom of the Premiership the day he walked in the door to the top six last season to the top three for the first time since I think it's 1966. Mm -hmm. um, they played a decent brand of football. They scored goals. They had a fantastic record against both Celtic and Rangers. They, they really did. Um, so he's done a wonderful job. Whoever comes in to fill his boots at Rugby Park has got yeah. a, a huge job ahead of them. Uh, and it has been a popular appointment. But we've seen popular appointments in the past, Alison, and they can only remain popular if the results go with them. You mentioned Kilmarnock there, and it's it's all quiet there at the moment. Billy Bowie will, of course, be searching hard for Steve Clark's replacement. It's hard for them to get someone yeah, of a similar I, I, well, ilk I, I to Steve Clark. I think he is looking for someone of a similar ilk. I think he was impressed by the experience that Steve Clark brought to the position. If you remember, prior to that... Lee McCulloch was a rookie manager. Lee Clark was a rookie in terms of managing in Scotland. Mm -hmm. Gary Locke hadn't a lot of experience of, you know, he, he was at Hearts, the season Hearts went down and he was sort of firefighting there. Um, so I think Billy Bowie has been impressed by the stature of Steve Clark, the experience, what he brought to the club. I think someone of that sort of profile is what Billy Bowie is looking at. I believe there's going to be a board meeting at Kilmarnock on Thursday. Mm -hmm. They will take their time. They have been inundated with applications for the Understandably job. so Understandably at the moment. So, and I'm sure 80 or 90% of them will be thrown straight into the bin. Mm -hmm. But the good thing for Billy Bowie is Steve Clark's raised the profile of Kilmarnock and they will yeah. get a better standard of applicant because they're in the Europa League, because in the last couple of years they've been top six, because he's got players there of the quality of Taylor, O'Donnell, Finlay and Brophy who are all in the Scotland squad mm -hmm. for a start. So it's a more attractive job now probably than it's ever been before. Let's stay with club football and Scott Brown says Neil Lennon's been phenomenal for him as Celtic manager now that he's got a great eye for a player going into the summer window. After clinching the treble treble, the Celtic skipper now says the full focus is on making the Champions League group stages. It's great. It was phenomenal for me the first time around and it'll be phenomenal for the lads and they'll all learn because he's a winner. He wants to win trophies and he's in the right place for that. He'll go on, he'll have a little holiday, let his hair down. And then he'll come in, there's, there's a lot of recruitment to, to be done. He'll bring in new players, he'll bring in quality players. And he's done that in the past. And he's brought in Victor, he's brought in Verge and stuff like that. So he, he, he's got a great eye for a player and I'm sure he'll do it again. We need to make sure we try and get Champions League now. We need to try and push for that. And as I say, there'll be a lot of players coming in and uh, leaving as well. So we need to make sure that we start the season really, really well. 
A little holiday to let his hair down. Well, it's a great close season euphemism, isn't it? <laughs> He's going to let his hair down. Um, I think Neil Lennon is currently letting his hair down mm. overseas at a Paul's 50th birthday. And, and good luck, Joe. It's been a, a long, hard season. People forget the first half of that season at Hibernian. Um, and that was a difficult enough job. Uh, he left there quite surprisingly. If you remember the suspension yep. and everything he went through there. He then stepped into the breach. Peter Lowell spoke it here at Hamden on Saturday night saying he answered Celtic's call in their hour of need and he did so successfully. So if he's away letting his hair down, as the captain says, good luck to him. But when he comes back tomorrow, I think he will need to focus on a big job in the summer because as John, one of the callers earlier on, said there could be nine or ten players needed in. There's a head of recruitment needed in. Uh-huh. There's a backroom staff needing confirmed. I believe it will be probably along the lines that Neil had in the second half of last season of John Kennedy, Damien Duff and Stevie Woods. Mm-hmm. But that's still to be confirmed. What happens to the loan players? Do any of them come back? What happens to the out-of-contract players? Are they all leaving the football club? So after he's let his hair down... Big job now for Neil Lennon. He was always reluctant to talk too much about signings and transfer targets, but he did say that he had been involved in all discussions well, since he yeah, came in, which you would understand. Sense. Yeah, and it's only sense. He wouldn't want to talk in too much detail because he wouldn't want to be seen to be presumptuous, presuming he was going to get the job. Remember, it's only Saturday evening he was offered yep. the job. So he will, at the back of his mind, be looking at what he needs, be it a right back, be it a centre-forward, be it a centre-half. Um, there will be people he will deal with who will be able to supply him with names he's been overseas to, to look at some targets and he will now be coming back to hopefully for him action those targets Scott Brown saying they're full focus and it's vital that they make the Champions League group stages so there is some rebuilding to do in quite a short space of time yeah uh, I think the first Champions League qualifiers July 9th or 10th which really isn't very long away um, four games for Celtic to get through again they are mm-hmm. seeded in all four, there's a few old foes in there, Astana, Rosenborg, teams like that that Celtic have played in recent times. The good news for Celtic is, if they get to the groups, I think their coefficient now is sufficiently high that it would be in pot three. Yep. I think um, the fact that Atalanta qualified from Syria and Italy at the weekend, they have a lesser coefficient, so the fact they'll go into pot four, and that actually elevated Celtic into pot three. So if they can get through the four qualification rounds, then the group that they would get would, you would think, be easier than some of the nightmare draws they've had in recent years. Let's go back on to the phones and we've got Gary in Shettleson. Good evening, Gary. Good evening. Hi, Gary. Hello. First of all, for my main point, uh, I just want to congratulate Callum this year and yourselves and the boys for being a, a great year. Great punditry. Uh, now I congratulate uh, Rangers as well, I'm a Celtic fan mm-hmm. for winning 54 titles in 7 years but my main point is, is Neil Lennon when I heard uh, Brendan Rodgers was leaving my, I was straight away Neil Lennon was my first pick Well you'll be a happy man tonight that he's got the job what, what do you think he now needs to do this summer? Sorry? What do you think Neil Lennon if Neil Lennon's your first pick what's when he returns and takes up this job later in the week, what does he need to do to revitalise Celtic this summer for, for the challenge again next season? Well, he has to, he has to have to get money, doesn't he? That's just all and end of it. Peter Wall, Dermot has to give him the, the funds to go and buy five, six players at least. Are you confident that you'll get the money he needs? No. My straight answer, no. 
Does that concern you? Of course it concerns us, because they're the lot of Celtic fans. We don't know if he's went for a steep option, or, or he's went for it because he knows he's a Celtic man through and through, and he'll do his best, but that doesn't cut it all the time. Well, I think, so you know, I, I think a lot of people do Neil Lennon a bit of a disservice when they talk of him as being the cheap option. Yeah. Neil Lennon, if I can get the horse racing chart for a minute, he's a kind of course and distance guy. He's shown that he can win the league. He's shown that he can win the Cups. He's shown that he can succeed in Europe. He's taken Celtic to the last 16 of the Champions League. He was in charge when Celtic beat Barcelona. So he can show his medals to the doubters. And there are a lot of doubters. Uh-huh. And I, but I, I genuinely do. You know, Neil spoke a couple of weeks ago quite emotionally about a generation of Celtic supporters that he feels have been spoiled by the success of the last yeah, they're just used 20, to winning everything. Yeah. They're used to winning everything, and if there's the slightest wobble, there's a mass panic. And I think the board and Peter Lawwell have probably taken. We said earlier on the show, Alison. I think they've taken the decision of least risk, because even if you go out and get what some of the supporters might call a blue chip appointment, a Rafa Benitez, say, mm-hmm. are there any guarantees that Rafa Benitez would succeed? Because Scottish, one thing we know about Scottish football is it's completely different to football anywhere else and there have been big name players and big name managers who have arrived in this country and have fallen spectacularly on their faces so the Celtic board have gone for Neil Lennon as a reward for assisting them in their hour of need when Brendan Rodgers left but also in the knowledge that he's won things in the past for the club Mm -hmm. and they believe can do so again Neil Lennon chose to leave the first time it wasn't that they got rid of him yeah and I get it at the time people can you know correct me if I'm wrong at the time it just felt a natural parting mm-hmm. Neil wanted to go and explore other options um, unfortunately for him he probably chose the wrong one at Bolton Wanderers it was a sort of basket case of a club yeah. at the time and hasn't improved since um, and it probably felt he'd gone as far as he could with that Celtic team and a change was required um, they kept winning things after they left uh, they won Two, two and a half trebles if that's a thing under Brendan but Neil saw them over the line mm-hmm. again uh, a lot of Celtic supporters will feel that he deserves the chance there are no guarantees in football they might not because he couldn't put his stamp on that squad he had to use what Brendan Rodgers had done yeah, and, and use a different style maybe to what he wanted to do 100% so it's now up to Neil to show the board were correct in giving him the job permanently This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard live from Hamden and we'll hear from Shelley Kerr after the travel with Amber. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard live from Hamden as Scotland women prepare to play their final match before heading off to the World Cup. The starting 11 will be Lee Alexander in goal, Kirsty Smith, Nicola Doherty, Rachel Corsi, Jen Beattie, Kim Little, Caroline Weir, Lisa Evans, Jane Ross, Claire Emsley and Erin Cuthbert. Roger, we knew it would be a strong team. Shelley Kerr wants to put our best players out to give them this big stadium experience before they go. Yeah, I think that will be close to the starting 11 for the game against England in France a week on Sunday. Uh, I would expect a lot of changes to be made tonight. It is only a friendly yeah. international. I think she'll want as many of the women to get action on this big pitch at Hamden. This is the last game before the opening World Cup fixture. It's a big game. The supporters beginning to come in on all sides of us here at Hamden, Alison. Uh, the first, the Scotland goalkeepers led by Lee Alexander heading out there for the pre-match warm-up. It's a big game. It's an exciting night for Shelley Kerr and her team and good luck to them. 
I want to go back onto the phones in a minute, but let's hear from Shelley Kerr. She's hoping tonight's game here against Jamaica will be a watershed moment for women's football in Scotland, with a record crowd expected to turn out. The previous record attendance for a women's game in Scotland is just over 4,000, and she says the players deserve better than that. We want to continue in the same form that we've been in. We've obviously built momentum for going into the World Cup. That's important for us. Um, we're in a really good place as a team. Um, off the back of you know, two good performances in Pinatar, we've built on that from Algarve Cup. And it's important that we continue in the same vein so that we're ready come the World Cup. But I think ultimately we're looking at support. Um, for me, it would be a huge watershed moment for us um, in Scottish women's football if we can exceed 10,000. And, and I'm confident that we'll do that. Um, I think the players deserve it. I think so many people work hard to obviously look at, take away the performance side of it. Um, we've always set ourselves a target to inspire in the nation, and I think it would be fantastic for the players if we were to, to get that, you know, 10,000 or more. They deserve, do deserve a big crowd. They're, they're making history. They're going to the World Cup. Yeah, and Shelley Kerr's done a terrific job. You have to remember, Alison, before she took this job with the SFA, she was a highly respected coach in the Lowland League. She was working yeah. with the University of Stirling. Um, she's come in, she's taken this team, and she's taken the team to a new level. The vast majority of players in the team were in the team long before Shelley took charge. You know, the likes of Jane Beatty, Rachel Corsi, the carpenter, well in excess of 100 caps. I think if Hayley Lauder comes off the bench tonight, it'll be a 99th cap. Mm -hmm. It's a vastly experienced team, but Shelley Care has elevated them from almost also runs in the international scene to real contenders in the international scene. It's no fluke they've qualified for this World Cup. They're in the top 20 in the world rankings. Performances and results have consistently improved, and this is now going to be their moment this summer a historic appearance at a World Cup final and it's great they're getting a send off at Hamden tonight of course I want to squeeze in another couple of calls before we run out of time tonight and first I want to go to Pollock Shaws and speak to Paul hello Paul good evening hi Paul good evening good evening uh, Roger I was listening with interest earlier and I have to say that it kind of ups me some of the things that you were coming out with so I was kind of wanting to take you to task well on it go for it on you go well I'm, not, I'm one of the Celtic fans who's very much opposed to the new Lennon appointment and um, there's, there's two or three things you know there's this, there's this thing that, 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 that's getting put out that it's the younger Celtic fans that don't want Lennon but that's not true at all I'm in my 40s and people that I know in their 40s don't want Lennon either so I think it's, it's a bit of a that, falsehood that, that, that was a, no thing. no I was making the point that was the point that Neil himself was making a couple yeah, of weeks no, ago I, know, that's, I wasn't saying that was what you were saying Roger, but that's just something that's kind of been put out here but it's not the case but the thing that you were saying was that it's not the it's not the cheap option for Celtic. You have to stop going down calling it the cheap option for Celtic, and then you round off a bunch of Neil's achievements. But Neil's achievements and how much the it's going to cost the club are two entirely separate things. If Neil Lennon, his wages and how much he demands of the board for players is going to be a lot less than a blue manager like Brendan Rodgers or Lafayette would have been. Fair enough, his achievements are his achievements, and you can't argue with him. But that's got nothing to do with how much it's going to cost to pay him. Do you think that the Celtics support is that their biggest worry? That the board themselves think, listen, we're going to do this on the cheap and it's not going to cost money. Do you not think the board will spend money this summer? Because surely if there's nine or ten players going out, any board of directors would appreciate that 
they're going to have to spend money somewhere. No, I don't think that is the biggest worry for the Celtic fans or myself. The biggest worry is that Neil Lennon, and we all love him and respect him, but Neil Lennon, in my opinion, has he has there's a, le- a le- there's a limit to what he's capable of as a manager, and it's a few steps down from guys like Brendan Rodgers and Rafa. Because I think ten in a row is under, under serious threat. We, we Neil Lennon at the helm, unfortunately. That was going to be my next my question, actually. What is the priority for Celtic in the next couple of years? Because people I've spoken to said 10 in a row is a priority for Celtic, and that's one of the reasons Neil Lennon's there because he knows how to win that domestic title. Had, had Europe, you know, had, had Celtic, for instance, already been at the position of 10 in a row and priorities were changing and the priorities were widening to a, a European context, then it might have been a different manager. Do you think that's fair? Let's, let's look at what Neil Lennon's done over the last few years. When he was winning league titles with Celtic, that was four or five years ago. And when he got Celtic into the last 16 again, that was a, that was a good few years yeah, ago. And he had he, 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 players last, like Van Dijk and Wanyama and Forster and a, a team filled with quality like that. But who, who's the, listen, I'm not saying the decision's correct or the decision's wrong. I was saying five minutes ago and earlier to Alisson that it's now, they've given him the job and it's now up to Neil to show that they were right to give him the job because there's absolutely no guarantees in football at all and I was getting sorry carry on Right, well, you, you, go on, you go on how the team's performed under Neil since he's taken over you go on what he did at Hibs in his last season there at Hibs and they were mediocre and he ended up leaving under a, under a cloud do you not, he, he do you not think he you, didn't succeed at Bolton he didn't succeed at Bolton no that's true again, so this is, you, this is my concern I, I love the guy he's a legend at Celtic and I, I just so my concern is that we're not going to get to 10 in a row with you. If we go to make the change, it's going to be too late, there's going to be too much upheaval, and it's going to give Rangers a massive advantage. You'll see a lot more of Celtic than I do. Do you not think, and I agree with you about the performances late in the season, do you think of all those nil-nils at home, nil-nil at home to Levy, at home to Aberdeen, at home to Hibs, etc., and they were pretty turgid performances. Do you not think there was some of those performances prior to Brendan leaving as well? I'm thinking of that nil-nil at St Mirren, a nil-nil at Levy earlier in the season. Brendan always always uh, got it together when they needed to. It was the same last season and it was the same this season. Right after uh, you know, Rangers almost grew level, they really got it together when the team buckled down and they got yeah. points ahead. And a good manager is capable of doing that. I could be wrong, but I am extremely concerned that Celtic are not going to get to 10 in a row with Neil who, who would you have had? Because I speak to a lot of Celtic supporters in somewhere of Benitez, somewhere of Moy, somewhere of Mourinho, somewhere of AVB, I, I somewhere of... Clark. I would have had Stevie Clark ahead of Lennon. Um, and I think he might have taken it if he was, if he was offered it. But, um, you know, I don't know because it's hard to say. We don't know realistically who is actually available. I would have loved Benitez. And but I just think that even Steve Clark, my opinion, is a, is a step up from you. One of the Rangers callers earlier on who was complaining about no Ryan Jack in the squad was saying Steve Clark is a manager who organises teams well, but it's quite defensive. Do you think Steve Clark would have suited the Celtic style of football? Rapidly running out of time here tonight. It's been a quick show. Thank you to Roger. Andrew McLean will be back in the studio tomorrow night and he'll be joined by Mark Guidi. Best of luck to Shelley Kerr and Scotland's women tonight here at Hampden against Jamaica. Kickoff is at 7.35. You can come up to date with everything on Twitter at Clyde SSB. Callum Gallagher's up next from Roger and myself. Good night.